Gene Starr. In private practice as a licensed addiction counselor and state of Montana approved chemical dependency program. Gene, welcome. Hi. From Star Counseling and Addiction Services. Can you talk a little bit about your educational background that qualifies you for this work? I had to complete a degree in um, chemical dependency use, and I did that through the community college here and graduated from the university with honors in 2014. And I had to do a practicum and hours and then test with the state in order to get that licensed addiction counselor degree. And this is something that's close to your heart, this type of work. The reason it's so close to my heart is I have had family members myself um, that have had substance use problems. And it's just something that I'm really passionate about and that I care about how people are treated whenever they need treatment. That's the important component. There's the law and then there's you're dealing with human beings and how they're going to get through the choice that they made. Absolutely. And so you were talking to me earlier about it being a poor decision and that you're the helping hands that kind of lift, lift that person up. A person in that situation needs that kind of help. They do. Someone that let's look at a DUI that receives that DUI, they already feel enough shame and guilt. And my purpose is to help them get through this process of what we call ACT and to do that in a way that is compassionate and caring and um, just to be helpful to them. You are an ACT provider, a state-approved ACT provider. Yes. Which when the courts find someone guilty of a DUI, they can come or they need to find an ACT provider as opposed to being appointed to an ACT provider. Absolutely. In the state of Montana, your right to choose your provider is protected by law. So you get to choose who your provider is that is a state approved provider that can complete ACT. And that choice is protected under the law. Absolutely. What is ACT? Can we take it letter by letter in this case? So ACT stands for assessment, course, or treatment. So the first thing that we would do is the A part, that's the assessment, because that assessment is what's going to, to determine the level of care that you would need. And there are two levels of care. There would be the course, which is prime for life, that is 12 hours of state mandated education. And if you're doing that one, you're gonna do it at home in your bunny slippers, because that part is done on Zoom. Otherwise, the other option is treatment, dependent on what that assessment determines. At home in your bunny slippers seems like a comfortable reset for somebody who's in this situation. Absolutely. They get to be in their own environment, still complete the requirements uh, that they've been mandated to do. The course curriculum prime for life. Can you talk to that about that a little more? So the state of Montana requires that 12 hours to be completed as part of the ACT. So once those 12 hours of education are completed, then you have completed that piece. And then we move on to the T. T means treatment. So if you're not gonna do the course and that assessment determines that you need treatment, there are factors in there that could determine that. It could be that you have a moderate or severe dependency which would require you to do treatment. That's even on a first time DUI. 
If you have a mild dependency on a first-time DUI, you can still complete the course, the Prime for Life. But if you have a second or subsequent DUI, the state automatically mandates that you do a form of treatment. Okay. And then you go into the assessment and there's uh, a handful of different steps and forms for the assessment. Starting with the biopsychosocial, can you talk about that? Sure. We're talking about your life. We're talking about, are you married? Are you employed? Um, we talk about your family history. What was it like growing up in your home with your parents? We talk about any kind of substance use that you've had. Alcohol is a substance. So how do you drink? We look at that. And probably a lot of different backgrounds, some folks who grew up in homes where there wasn't alcohol, and then folks who grew up in homes where, unfortunately, there was too much alcohol. Absolutely. You, it goes both ends of the gamut. And then we move on to screenings. Screenings. Screenings are something that help us to determine how you drink and how often you drink. And that just kind of gives, it's a tool for us to use to help in determining that level of care. A quick aside, we were talking about number of drinks earlier um, and the idea that you may have had more than one drink if you've gone out to a restaurant or a bar and had a beer that maybe has more alcohol in it or a, a generous portion of wine might be two drinks, might be two glasses of wine. Yes. So in that biopsychosocial, whenever I talk to you about your your drinking, how you drink, I'm going to ask you a question and it's going to be, when was the last time you drank and what did you drink? So if you tell me that you drank a beer, I'm going to ask you what kind of beer because there's domestic beers, but now we have so many craft beers, IPA beers, that that alcohol content makes a difference. So there's a difference between four Coors Light and four IPAs. You talked about going out to dinner and having glasses of wine. There's, there's heavy pours in restaurants, and you are more than likely having uh, four and a half to five glasses of wine. If you say, I only had two glasses of wine, you are probably drinking a lot more than what you thought you were. And that would come down to the screening portion is where we would flush out this. Absolutely. And then we move on to an interview. What's an interview in a counseling session? So we're gonna talk about all those documents that you filled out, that biopsychosocial information. We're gonna start going through that line by line, area by area, and looking at those places. So you brought up some homes may have had a lot of drinking as when you grew up, and some may not have. So that helps me to look at, do you, do you have a possibility of a genetic predisposition to substance use? So that helps in that as well. And since you are working in a way independent, but also in tandem, with court-ordered counseling, there's a release of information. You have to be able to, unlike a regular counseling session where there's privacy, you have to be able to release that information to the courts. And so the next step of release of information, I bet that's an important step. So whether you're working with a mental health provider or you're working with someone like myself, you have to have a release of information to speak to anyone. So I can't talk to your mom without a release of information. I can't talk to the court without a release of information. Mm -hmm. Even your legal counsel has to have a release of information. You have to give me permission to do so. 
And folks, if they are under your counseling, they can get those forms online and they can. take a look at what they what they'll be filling out. Absolutely. Yep, you can go to my website. All the documents are there uh, to complete. You can see what some of those forms look like. There are some releases of information that if you're coming into my office, that we can do that physically. So people can also come by your office and pick up those forms. Absolutely. You're going to find those forms in a basket on a blue table next to a bouquet of flowers outside of my suite. You sound you sound like a fantastic counselor. Thanks. Very open. Um, moving from counseling to a lawyer, do, do people need a lawyer in this case? That is always someone's choice to choose if they feel like they need legal counsel. I do not advocate one way or the other for that. In a first-time DUI, that's got to be kind of the scariest part, getting a DUI. Perhaps you knew what was coming. Perhaps you're coming to a realization that you have a problem. Perhaps you just overindulged. Probably a lot of different people getting their first DUI. What can, what can a person expect after their first DUI? What you can expect when you come to my office, you can expect to come to an environment that I hope you find to be very comforting and soothing because this is really stressful, especially if you've never had any kind of contact with law enforcement at all. My goal is to help you walk through this process and to calm you and to help you understand that that I'll help you get through this piece. I imagine there's a lot of emotion the first time somebody gets a DUI. What what can they expect? So you're correct. There are a lot of emotions. There's a lot of people that feel a lot of guilt and shame uh, with that. So whenever they're coming to the office to complete ACT, I walk them through what that process looks like. Hopefully that will help to calm them so they know exactly what they're doing and when they're doing it. So now that the intake is done, the documents have been completed, the assessment has been completed, now what? Where do we go from here? Now I'm going to have a conversation with you. I'm going to talk to you about all of the things that we went over, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to do from here. I'm going to tell you, are you going to do that that course at home in your bunny slippers, or are you going to be required to do treatment? So this is the place that if you're doing the course, we're going to sign you up on a schedule so that you're there and you'll be able to get in that course on that weekend, which is done six hours on a Saturday, six hours on a Sunday. That completes the 12 hours that you need to do for Prime for Life. If you need to do treatment, then we're going to sit down and we're going to look at what that will look like for you. We're going to schedule you for your first session. We're going to look at a treatment plan for you with that. And that's how we'll move forward with that. Another component to that second or subsequent DUI is once you complete the treatment part of that, you're going to be required to have a letter uh, sent to the DMV in order for your driver's license to be released, because otherwise it won't be without that letter showing that you completed the treatment. When I hear a word like treatment, I think of having to go to a facility or let's talk about this word that feels kind of loaded, treatment. That word treatment sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Treatment there are levels of treatment. An assessment could determine that you need level one care. Level one care means that you and I are just going to meet once a week and we're going to have some education. We're going to learn some coping skills, learn how to change some behaviors, have some empathy for other people with a DUI. If you need level 2.1 care, that means it's intensive outpatient services. You will then do two groups a week with someone. You will also do an 
individual session with someone. And then that third level of care, 3.5 care, that is hospitalization. And that one is more frightening to, to think about if you need to do that part. So at level one, outpatient services, that's where you shine. That's where, that's where I come in. That's where we are going to have sessions one-on-one. Generally, it's once a week. I look at education. I look at ways for you to understand where are your high-risk areas that you're driving impaired so that you can make change with that. But I also include some empathy in that. There is victim impact statements. You'll write a worst-case scenario which is really hard to do. Mm -hmm. But then we also look at how was your family impacted by your DUI? Because it doesn't just include you. There's a ripple effect with it. The treatment is, is you and I together. This might be an obvious question. How do you measure success in your business with this level of treatment? What are you going to do the next time you're drinking? How are you going to change that behavior? What are you going to think about that we work through that is going to make you think about not making the same choice that you made to get here in the first place? And so you are an expert on the level one outpatient services at Star Counseling and Addiction Services. But if someone needs intensive outpatient services or residential services, where do you come in? That's where I'm going to give you a referral. I work with other facilities within the state and within Missoula area, and I'm going to refer you to those people that I know that you'll get good care with. So what if someone's treatment is prime for life? So if you're going to do prime for life, that's the place where we're going to schedule you and put you on the schedule. And we're going to schedule you on a Saturday and on a Sunday because you're required to do 12 hours of prime for life. And I'm not going to be able to sit for 12 hours to do that. So we break it up and put you six hours on a Saturday, six hours on a Sunday. And once you've completed that, then you have completed those requirements. And that's when you sign a Prime for Life certificate. So at the end of that course, there are a couple of things that happen. You will receive a Prime for Life certificate to show that you you did complete that course. But I'm also going to do something on my end. So if you have been sentenced, I'm going to get what's called a referral from the court. And I'm going to sign off on that referral showing that you completed what was required of you. That then clears you through the court. The court documents that you did what you were um, required to do. But the, the other piece is that I, I get a lot of people that come in and do this preemptively. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to wait till you're convicted of the DUI. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that come in. I work with attorneys. And so there's a lot of people that come in and they do it before they're ever sentenced. Smart. So smart. So they do it before they're ever sentenced. That way it's already complete because if you're looking at knowing that you're going to have a conviction, then you've already completed what you know is going to already be required. But what happens then is if you have an attorney, I'm going to write that attorney and let the attorney know that you completed it. And I will then wait on your referral until after you're sentenced. So then when you're sentenced, I can sign off on that referral. So why is it important to have everything signed and documented? Because if it's not signed and documented, you run the risk of more legal problems because those documents have to be signed and put into the court. And people want to get their driver's license back as well as not be have a bench warrant out for their arrest. Absolutely. Gene, as we wrap up this conversation... Uh, with Star Counseling and Addiction Services. 
I can't help but notice the hands that are reaching towards the stars and also kind of in a support role, uh, supporting those convicted of DUIs. And it can be scary. And it's nice to know that there's somebody like you with compassion and care, as well as the education and the knowledge to help someone through this. And you can submit your questions at info at callstarcounseling.com. Thanks, Jean. I will look forward to our conversation next time. Thanks, Mike.